It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some bats. Third down and five on the 25. Wilson back to pass. Crosby in his face. Grabs Wilson around the shoulders and swings him down at the 34. Crosby with his second sack of the game. And the Raiders defense gets a stop. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's big boy radio. You know, playing fast has always been fun for me. And I enjoy it when there's time. And there's a time and a place for it. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, hour number two on Raider Nation Radio as we get you set for the Rams on Thursday. I'll be traveling with the team. We'll do the pregame show live from SoFi Stadium. I'm very excited about that. Raiders coming off the win against the Chargers. The game was incredible, but halftime, the tribute to Cliff Branch was a concept that the Raiders and Silver and Black Productions were able to pull off because of Jacoby Ford, who was kind enough to play Cliff Branch, and he joins us on the flagship. Jacoby, great to talk to you. You're still in Vegas. What a whirlwind. How are you? I'm I'm still here, man. I'm still here. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I have... uh just have another event tonight, and then I catch a, I catch a red eye later on tonight to get home, um, so I can get home to the, in the morning back to the East Coast. But uh, it's been a busy weekend, and uh, I've had fun, had fun, and been it's been a, a, a huge honor to go ahead and uh, to bring Cliff back one more time for everybody to see, and uh, it honestly couldn't have worked out any better. I think it was amazing when I heard of the concept. I sat back and I had to take it in. I can't imagine what it was like for you when you got the phone call that you were chosen to play Cliff, and then you heard about the concept and how to pull it off. Take me through that ori- original phone call and how you took it in. Um, I was just home, uh, relaxing with my daughter, and you know, Sh- Shannon called me and asked me about this event, this um, this tribute that they were doing, and you know, she said that I think it was like his nephew or somebody couldn't do it, and they they were like, yeah, we don't want to have an actor come in and maybe potentially drop the ball in front of 65,000. So why not just have you do it? And it just kind of correlated and went hand in hand that, you know, you're fast, he's fast. Um, so same kind of body type pretty much. And uh, honestly, just putting on his stuff and seeing the picture whenever we were in the back and started getting everything dressed and put, and put on, I was like, oh, this is actually looking surreal. And <laughs> my man Alex was there helping me, and he just started taking pictures. And as we were looking at him, he's like, dude, you look just like Cliff. I tell you, I I thought you did too. I got to ask you about putting on the Cliff uniform and the tape and the helmet because that was a unique style helmet, different from yours. What Mm -hmm. was it like as you were getting behind the scenes in uniform and portraying Cliff Branch and then you come there with Plunkett? I saw that picture you posted with Freddie and Plunk in the tunnel there. How how crazy was that in uniform with two of his all-time great teammates? Um, th- that was surreal for me. And because I, I ended up doing a mannerism that Cliff does uh, with the hand on the hip and just kind of how I was standing. And that was something I, like I said, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just standing there just talking with my guys. You know, I you know, I love being around Plunkett. I love being around uh, Freddie B. And, you know, just always conversating with those guys and being around them. And, you know, they were like, you know, it's, it's scary, but you look just like them. And, you know, Bob Romanski made the helmet the whole week. Um, so shout out to him and the whole mm-hmm. equipment staff team for getting everything done. And, you know, just it, it was awesome. It was a great experience. And nobody else is doing anything like that. And just to be able to 
make that tribute and have it be done and what it means to Raider Nation and to everyone else in the organization, uh, I was just truly, truly thankful for it. Jacoby Ford joins us, former Raider receiver. He portrayed Cliff Branch brilliantly at halftime at one of the greatest celebrations in Raider history for a halftime. So you're waiting to come out there, and we see the track stars, and I know that they said if they didn't have the right track stars, if they didn't have guys that could run fast, real U.S. men's national team athletes, they didn't want to do this. They wanted this to be perfect. So they're running that 100-meter sprint, and you know the program is coming over to you and Fred Bolitnikoff, and Freddie was going to throw you some balls. You were going to drop them because Cliff didn't have great hands when he first got here. So what was that like when you and Freddie came out and Freddie's throwing you the footballs? That's when a lot of people were catching on to what was going on. Yeah, we were we were back there in the, in the tunnel warming up a little bit, and um, you know they were like, you know, they were like, yeah, just go to the five, drop the first one, and then you know as. As the commentary's talking, you know that's when they're like, "Yeah." Then Fred Belitnikov got with the got with them and taught him how to catch with his hands, and that's when he throws it to me and I catch it with my hands. And our interaction was just pure. Whenever we came in together, um, and they just zoomed in on me and Freddie, that was just me just t- talking to him and telling him I was like, "Just I was like, thank you for letting me um, be able to you know recreate Cliff for you one time." And he he was real appreciative for it, and you know he loved it, and. uh you know, I was hyped. I mean, I get to, you know, like, it's not very often that you just get to go out there and play catch with two Hall of Famers. So, I, like I say, it, it, that's that's something on the bucket list for me, and I don't know many guys that will be able to be able to do that again. Jacoby, then it came to Jim Plunkett in the 99-yard reception, and again, you got to get that right, and Plunk throws you a perfect pass at the one-yard line, and you take off, so you had to look that ball in. Now, take me through the route, because I know you wanted it to be just like the route that Cliff ran. What was going through your mind in rehearsal as you wanted to portray Cliff Branch, and you wanted to get upfield for 99 yards? Well, I had to make sure Plunk wasn't going to chuck the ball first because he, he, he wanted to let it go. He was like, oh, we go 20 yards? But then we were back there just tossing around. He's like, yeah, I think we're good about five yards or, you know, however long the pass was. So uh, just wanted to get it there and um, make sure we had it in the right camera view. And, I mean, it was great, man. And, and just to hear the crowd start roaring when I started running, that kind of, like, amped me up a little bit. And I know Cliff pulled his hamstring on that play, and I'm I'm getting there probably, like, towards the end start feeling mine, start getting tight, just because, you know, <laughs> haven't ran, haven't stretched like that. So I have probably haven't ran that fast like that in a while. And I wasn't running full speed, but I was, you know, I was hitting pretty good. But it felt good just to be back out there. And, you know, when I got to hold that football up again and just kind of hype the crowd up, you know, one more time for that 2-1, uh, you know, thank you. You know, that's, that's really all I can say is just thank you. Yeah, that's when it got emotional for me because when you're running – and I'm in my seats, and mm-hmm. you're coming by me in real time, and I'm seeing you lift the ball up like Cliff. I've seen that highlight, and being tight with Cliff, and we all know Cliff's great moments. We saw it in Canton, Ohio. The way you looked from the back angle with the 21, and then you held the ball up running towards Cliff's corner, and then that was superimposed in the end zone there. Walk Correct. me through the very end of it on part of your role having to deal with the black hole and the fans there because that was the end of the program because Cliff died unexpectedly. He did a lot Correct. in the community, and he Correct. had connections with the fans. How emotional was that last part of it? Uh, that last part was super emotional. You know, I um, I, I kind of had my moment when we were doing our rehearsal, um, kind of just going through it, uh, you know, just because of the relationship with Cliff and, you know, just how – great he was and how I know everybody loved him and you know I knew what that would mean to everybody and just to be able to to do that for him and to have the mannerisms just kind of be exact on without really practicing it too much 
like like I said, it, it couldn't have went any better. And you know, I was I had to run through and hold the football up, and then um, take my helmet off, sign autographs like them. They didn't tell me what to sign, so I signed my name. And then I was like, do I put twelve or twenty-one? I was like, I'm just gonna put twenty-one. So nice. I put twenty-one on one, and um, I just it, it was awesome. But it was emo- it was emotional, you know, it, and it was emotional for me as well, just to be able to run again on the field again and to put on the silver and black. That was that was that was that was a dream come true for me. Just one more time. You know, Jacoby, I got to ask you because this you were such an important role in this, but there were so many others there. Coach Flores, who was in attendance, but up top, I could imagine what he was going through. Freddie and, and Jim Plunker, we mentioned your involvement. So after that, you see all those gold jackets coming out after your performance there. And you're in uniform. I don't know what happened right after that. Did you go back and change quickly? Did you get a chance to see the third quarter where Devontae, I want to get into Devontae scoring two touchdowns and a flea flicker. I give you and Silver and Black a lot of a lot of hype on this because it got the crowd to stay in their seats, and then the Raiders dominated that entire third quarter. Yeah, we, we went to the back, and we were like, yeah, let, I think this might – Give um, this, this cliff thing might give them a little 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 boost and a little energy out there in the crowd, and you know it might make some magic happen. That's what we were saying to ourselves. And as I get changed and I get up to the top up there to get recognized for what we did at halftime, that's when we start cranking it up just like that. And I'm like, well, here we go. And it just everything was just going, and we man, they they were clicking, and that's what it's it's gonna be looking like. They're they're starting to click and. It's starting to get scary now for some people. So I, I'm. It was, it was it was awesome to see, and it, I was excited. And that that defense was cranking up, and they they made plays when they had to play. And yeah, I mean Devontae Adams, man, mm. he's special to have that guy right now. <laughs> Absolutely, Jacoby Ford. Last one. You know what I've always got about you, knowing you, covering your career, interviewing you a number of times, is you get it. You're one of the guys, and every player that comes after you need to understand, not just your position group, how important it is to touch and shake the hands of Fred Bolitnikoff, what it's like to talk with Jim Plunkett and have this type of relationship with Coach Flores because you've been around so long. How important is that to you? We say once a Raider, always a Raider, but you're living it in a different special way now, and part of your legacy as an alumni will be this Cliff Branch moment. Right, and it's um, it's, 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 it's been it's been a the word, the word, it, it's hard to describe the words. Like mm-hmm. I get to hang out and be around these guys with all these gold jackets and not be starstruck anymore because you know it it, it just feels like such a family because it's really true. Once a raider, always a raider, and they all treat they all and they all just uh, are so cool. They're always so energetic. They love being around each other and just to see how they are with each other and you know that's how you know that's how you want to be as an alumni and that's what I'm, i love that the raider nation is doing um the organization is by bringing a lot of the alumni back and getting us back reconnected with each other so we can have these camaraderies and these these friendships for the rest of our lives um so that's what this is this is what that's what it's all about camaraderie and um, the love of the game and uh, that silver and black is something that I, i'll always treasure Thanks for doing this, Jacoby. Congratulations. It was so great. I know everybody's going to talk about it. You're going to have video mementos to back this up for a long time. I look forward to seeing you again. And and on behalf of the entire Raider Nation, great job, man. Come back (laughs) and continue to come back. I'm proud to know you. That was fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for our friendship as well. And uh, I'll be back. Yep, I'll be back for the New Year's game. So I'll see you guys with the 49ers. You got it. There he is, Jacoby Ford. How cool was that? That is some real behind-the-scenes stuff, everybody. 
I reached out to Jacoby, came to us before the pregame. So after rehearsal, before he gets going for this, and I knew about this, but wasn't going to talk heavy about it on the radio. I wanted you to see this. I said, stay in your seats. And for those who saw it and understood the magnitude of that presentation, you know, you bring out the 72 Dolphins in their jackets, it's great. You bring out the Raiders in their jackets, it's unbelievable. You see other teams, they do something unique. Lawrence Taylor night with the Giants, whatever it is. Everybody does something great. Jerry Rice in Montana for the Niners. No one's ever done that. What That was a recreation of Cliff Branch's life. So if you were sitting there and you're a Vegas fan, and you don't even know who Cliff Branch is, it's not your fault. You just don't know. You haven't been around a lot. And you watch that presentation from beginning, middle to end. Now you know Cliff. You know he's Mark Davis's all-time best friend. You know how important he is to the team and what the organization means to the alumni and vice versa. That was special. Really cool to see. My wife and I sat in our seats. And we sat there. And she was tearing up because she knew Cliff really well, too. And when Jacoby ran that ball 99 yards into the end zone. And to see where we were sitting from our perspective jacoby flying across the field 100 yards 99 yard recreation it made it feel like you were there when cliff was playing well if you if you saw cliff play you would have been really proud of it if you never saw cliff play it wasn't make-believe it was real it had that feeling there great job if you want to react to that 702-365-9200 levi edwards will join us at the bottom of the hour before i uh, head out with the team tomorrow i'd like to get some predictions on the game the rest of the way i'd like some predictions on what you think the score is going to be i think it's going to be close every game's been close this year there's been some wild scores some comebacks we got overtime games i don't have my head wrapped around the score i'd like to know what you think is going to happen but i think the raiders better play with the lead they better play with the lead like they did after the third quarter of that charger game don't give the Rams any belief that they could win that game in the second half. What do you think about that? 702-365-9200 as we are brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. I had a great time with Orlando DeCastaverde. He was there with his daughters and his niece and his wife at the game. He is a diehard Raider fan. And he was there smiling ear to ear at halftime, enjoying it. Really loving the experience there at a Raider game. He is our personal injury attorney. So if you ever get into an accident, the DeCastaverde Law Group, that's my personal injury attorney. They will take care of you. They will help you along the way. And, hey, when you get into an accident, it's probably going to be the worst experience of your life. You have to have someone to trust. DeCastaverde Law Group is our personal injury attorney. When we come back, Levi Edwards at the bottom of the hour and your predictions on exactly what's going to happen with this game. JT in Vegas. On my way to Los Angeles, my first trip to SoFi Stadium. I'll report back on that next week, hopefully during a big bye week, which feels like for the Raiders coming off their fourth win in a row. This is Raider Nation Radio. I mean, it's a team uh, we don't know, you know what I mean? So um, this is, you know, our guys will eventually make their way in here today just to start to get familiar with who they're going to be aligning uh, against and and uh, how they play and the strengths and weaknesses of the players, you know, before we even get into the scheme tomorrow. 
So, um, you know, the short weeks are what they are. Like I said yesterday, uh, the good thing is that we're both we're all in the same bucket. You know what I mean? They, they don't have an advantage over us, and we don't have one over them. So, um, you know, we're just gonna, um, you know, pour into the film, and uh, you know, we'll learn who they are. Um, you know, over the next few days. Um, the good thing is, is we don't play till Thursday night. So, you know, and we don't really practice. So we're just, we have the next three days really to try to just, you know, sink all that information in and, uh, do as many walkthroughs as we need, uh, to, to make sure that we're, um, you know, we're ready to go for the game plan. But, um, they've definitely had, they've, they've had challenges like we have and in terms of health and, and all that, but, this is a team that obviously is very resilient, played their butt off yesterday. You can That's jumped out on the film. You know, we just got done playing Seattle. We know what kind of team that is. They had a similar game to what we had uh, a week ago. And, um, you know, Sean and, and their entire staff does a great job. I have a great deal of respect for Sean and what he's done, obviously, and what he's accomplished. And this team is, you know, it's going to battle. There's no doubt about it. So we're going to have our hands full. Josh McDaniels on the short week. And... You know, Coach McDaniels, whenever I get a chance to interview him, and we move in our interview to Friday this week, so we'll have the recap of the Rams and the Chargers, and then next week we'll get back on our schedule and we'll preview the Patriot game, which is a big one. He praises everyone. I've never talked to someone like Josh McDaniels before. Every time I sit with him, his level of knowledge of the other opponent, the team, the players, is, is off the charts. It's like a servant. He can tell you every player, the backup, what they do. He also respects the other coaches. I asked him about Pete Carroll right a couple of weeks ago. I go down. He said great things about Nathaniel Hackett, even though he's struggling in Denver. And you could tell because Josh McDaniels has six Super Bowl rings. He knows Sean McVay as a head coach has got one and coached in two. There's a high level of respect from Josh McDaniels to these other coaches. High level. And that team is well coached. They're really well coached. So they are decimated with injuries. The Raiders should be able to beat them. I mean, when was the last time the Raiders, I mean, going back to the 70s, when was the last time the Raiders were a six-point favorite to a reigning Super Bowl team? A reigning Super Bowl team, they're six-point favorites on the road. That doesn't pass the smell test for me. That's why I'm a little bit concerned about this game. I don't think the Raiders are six points better from a gaming perspective than the world champs. Because I've seen every play and every play this year, and they've struggled a lot. But now they seem like they're coming together, and they're playing at a very high level. And they're a team that just can't get in a situation where they're shooting themselves in the foot early in this game. In the last game, I was pretty upset in that first quarter. Watching that first quarter down 10 nothing. I didn't like the body language, didn't like the energy. Uh, they didn't come out quick and ready to play. They played slow, which I often point out. They were playing slower. They weren't playing up-tempo. I said, no, this can't be the day that happens. This can't happen like this today. And then everything changed. Everything changed in the third quarter. Third quarter, they came out there like a possessed team. And we want to see more of that. We want to see more of that. It's hard to do because the other team, the other team is always trying to stop you. And the other team does a good job at stopping you. But enough. This, this is a game Fred Bolitnikoff told me, get to the Charger game. Now the Raiders got through the Charger game, and they're in a very good situation now on a short week. The Rams are in a lot of trouble. I watched Hard Knocks last night. I watched Hard Knocks on the Cardinals. They outplayed the Chargers the entire game and lost with 12 seconds to go because Brandon Staley went for two. They were the better team. 
And I sat there and I scratched my head and said, could you imagine if the Raiders beat the Cardinals when they scored two late touchdowns and got two two-point conversions? A lot of these games, man, come down to the final play, the final two or three minutes. The Raiders can't afford this game in L.A. to end like that. they got to put them away. Levi Edwards, kind enough to join us, one of our insiders, the digital reporter for the Silver and Black. And, Levi, I saw you tweeted out your takeaway takeaways from the Charger win. Let's start with dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Start with the defense and what you saw on the defensive line, especially the interior. I think the best way to describe it is possessed. And I, I heard you just kind of say that name about a team that came out uh, at the end of the the end of the second quarter and also going into the to third quarter uh, possessed. And when it comes down to it, that interior defensive line, Tillery, uh, I wonder why, but uh, he was he's playing with a, a little bit more added motivation, as you could say, on the field. Uh, when you saw him, uh, he was really getting after Herbert. Um, he, was, he had really a, a truly a great game. Uh, you know, definitely seemed like he had some added motivation there. I don't know why he'd have it, JT, but he did. As long as well as the fact that you had the the coming out party of the season mm-hmm. for Chandler Jones, three sacks on the outside. Max Crosby also, you know, creating pressure the entire time on the outside as well. Uh, really, just complimentary football all together on the on the defensive line. You had you had Tillery and you had Nichols really doing their job, really creating pressure inside as well as kind of rotating in uh, Pecco and rotating in Cleveland also into that mix. And you had, you know, two guys on the outside that just seemed like they were in the backfield the whole game. Uh, really, honestly, really the best overall performance from this defensive line I've seen this season, and it couldn't have come at a better time. Levi Edwards joins us. So, Levi, the offensive line, I thought they played their best game because there was only three penalties for 15 yards. So we didn't see a lot of mistakes with the offensive line going backwards. I don't think the holes were as big as they've been for some of the games, but the pass protection was really solid, and the level of intensity those guys now bring to every game, I think the Raider Nation is happy for these offensive linemen as they grow into their roles. Most definitely. This was a position, how interesting it was uh, that this position group didn't see a whole lot of changes in the offseason. I believe that there was a lot of people that thought that McDaniels and, and this coaching staff would come in and they would kind of gutter the offensive line and, and kind of make some changes. And really, they didn't really make many changes. They kind of decided to trust the guys that they already had on the roster. And, of course, they did make a couple of signings and they drafted Thayer and they drafted Parham. But you have a lot of consistent pieces to this offensive line that's been there and Colton Miller. Uh, Andre James is playing, you know, phenomenal in my opinion this season, as well as Jermaine. Uh, and so you really have a lot of guys that are still there that are really making, you know, making the most out of the situation. And I believe that they perhaps have been the most underrated position group this season, just the way that they've been blocking for Josh Jacobs. They've become much better in pass blocking this season as well. Derek Carr, was not sacked a single time against the Chargers, was only hit two times, jersey, jersey, uniform, all clean, clean as day, you know, throughout the entire game against the Chargers. So credit the offensive line for what they've been able to do and the success they've been able to have. Uh, Levi, I'm very interested in seeing what happens now because the Rams are decimated with injuries. The Raiders will have to make a decision on Waller and Renfro. We'll wait until that comes out officially here. 
But this offense is Devontae, Josh, and Derek. And then when anybody else makes some extra plays, like Matt Collins or Foster Moreau or Zamir White, it's just a bonus here. But how confident now are you that teams know that it's going to be Devontae and Josh and those two guys, Josh and Devontae, have the ability to exert their will and have dominant games the rest of the way because they've been bleeping dominant for most of the season here. And you know the Rams are going to be looking at double-teaming them and taking one of them out of the game. Well, it's kind of because when I think how this offense is operating and now, of course, the Raiders have a lot of playmakers and, and they get the ball around. However, this kind of reminds me a lot of a Bengals team last year that the Rams had to face two times. And with that Bengals offense, you know, they got the ball to their two main playmakers, and that was Joe Mixon and that was Jamar Chase. And Joe Burrow made sure that he got the ball to those two dudes as much as he could. And that strategy got them all the way up to the Super Bowl. And so with that being said, of course, you know, Josh Jacobs and Devontae are, are, are two very, very different players than those two that I named. But Josh McDaniel seems like he's running this type of offense of these are our best two players. These are our best two weapons. These are the guys that will go out there and make plays. They will get yards when you need them to get them. So we're going to give these two guys the ball when it matters. We're going to give these two guys the ball when we need points. And that has been very successful for the Raiders the past month, I must say. That has led to three straight wins, has led to them being able to find recipes in these clutch moments when they need it, two walk-off touchdowns to win games from those two guys. When it comes down to it, of course, the Raiders have a lot of playmakers, and it'll be great when they get Waller back, and it'll be great when they get Renfro back. But right now, if you have a recipe that is working around those two guys, I do not see any reason to change it. And I would only see more opportunities to come for those two guys. And whatever defenses decide they want to do to try to combat that, so be it that I'm going to stick the course. Yeah, Levi Edwards joins us. That's a great point. That's the best thing you've said, and you say a lot of good things. Just it's not broke. Don't fix it. Keep going to those guys. Go to them on critical plays. Lose with them or win with them. But go with the stars who are making the money and have been proven to be elite players in this league. I saw you retweeted from the Raiders site that A.J. Cole is the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. Uh, this is always a high honor. One of these days, someone's going to get it in this organization. When you do get that, you get the patch on your jersey for the rest of your career. It's a big deal, the nominee for Man of the Year. What can you tell us about A.J. Cole off the field? Uh, A.J. Cole, uh, he keeps it light, uh, and that's why and I appreciate A.J. Cole. He's someone that uh, he takes what he does very seriously, but he doesn't take himself very seriously. He's a guy that is very selfless uh, to whatever, you know, the team needs and also, you know, very good with media, uh, always tries to, to keep it light, always tries to, you know, make people laugh, make people smile. You know, he's one of those guys that you can truly tell, you know, you don't know what people are going through, so you just got to, you know, treat everybody with the utmost respect. And so uh, I really do believe that the honor is well-deserved for him. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, does a lot, not just on the field, but off the field with his charity work. He's done a lot for the Special Olympics and as well as his, his efforts with Project Kenya, uh, for the Kenya Project, also with him going out and doing things for – first responders in Nevada, which has been huge over the past couple of years with the, the climate and, you know, the pandemic that we've gone through. 
he's uh, definitely been a guy that's gone out to the community and he's made a name for himself. You have the goodness of his heart. And the Raiders really hit this one on the head with this nomination. It's something that's a big deal. And uh, it's, like I said, it is very, very well-deserved for Mr. Cole. Thank you, Levi. I'll see you taking this road trip. You staying back. What's your plan the next couple of days? We're going to stay back. Uh, you know, it, I might take a last minute, maybe three hour drive mm-hmm. uh, to LA. We'll see what happens. But I think the plan right now is we're going to stay back. We're going to see how things go. And then I'm going to enjoy my, my two day weekend. You know, mm-hmm. these, these days I'm working six, seven days a week now because of the season. But yeah. you know, with the game on Thursday, that means, you know, the team comes back Friday, handle what I got to do. And then I get two days to just chill, relax, watch football and get ready to grind again on Monday. You got it, my friend. You are a grinder. Talk to you soon. See you in the building tomorrow. Appreciate you. I'll see you, JT. All right, Levi Edwards, part of our insiders group. We have the best insiders group, I think, in all of sports radio when it comes to an individual team. We have our guests lined up, and we appreciate them coming on here. And they join us on a two-week grid because I don't want to wear them out, have them on every week. So when we get them, we expect them to bring their energy, have good information, and they all do. Really excited about that. So, yeah, it's going to be nice not to have a game this weekend. You have a bye week. If the Raiders win, and I expect them to win, to have an extra day or two off to watch other teams play and the Raiders not have to play to a week from Sunday, I'm still pretty bitter about the Raiders getting flexed off of Sunday night football. I told Bobby, who's running the show, it's good for me. I can do my other show Sunday night. But I wanted Sunday night off. I wanted to be in the building. I wanted the lights in the city in the background on the pregame show, the night game, national television, Sunday night football. I'm bitter about the fact that they flexed out of that and moved it for Giants commanders. I think that's a slap in the face to the Raider Nation. They shouldn't have touched that game. But they touched that game because the Raiders got off to a really slow start. And the slow start hurt them. A stoner dude. Haven't heard from you in a while, man, from your Costa Rica trip to your comic books and everything else. What's <laughs> happening, buddy? Man, well, first of all, I want to say that was just a really cool interview with Jacoby Ford. I was a fan of Jacoby Ford, still am, uh, when he was playing for the Raiders. I thought he was just a great player, speedster, made a lot of touchdowns and plays. So I think what to hear him talk about that honor that he had, and I wasn't there last Sunday, man. I was just living vicariously through your conversation. So great job on the Raider organization to put that together. I'm going to, hopefully there's going to be some things out there for, I I can watch. But uh, as far as the game uh, Thursday, JT, man, first of all, when they were losing all those games, I just kept thinking to myself, this guy be the most talented loss record in the NFL right now. I mean, we had so much expectations this year and they've come so close, but to win those three in a row, surely they've shown that they do have that talent. To see Chandler Jones now finally stepping up and making some plays and his name's being called, uh, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs are just playing balls out. And that's why they're winning games right now because those two playmakers are going out there and just making it happen, really, you know, imposing their will and just fighting and, and being the stars that they are. I predict a close game, JT, 24-20 Raiders. I think mm. that the Rams are still going to go out there and play like dogs like he talked about last week against the Seahawks. I won't be in L.A. Thursday, but I'll be there Friday, JT. I'm playing drums with the band Missing Persons, Del Bozio, Friday night at the Canyon Club in L.A. So I'll be around town, and I'll be uh, just have the L.A. vibe this weekend with everybody. I hope you all have a great time this weekend. Later. Thanks, Donald. Good to hear from you. Have have a great show. 
Appreciate that. that that's kind of what I think the score is going to be, 24-20, 26-21, whatever it is. I'm, I don't expect blowouts. And we just posted, and you can watch it whenever you want, we just posted Raiders Roundtable with Lincoln Kennedy and Q Myers. And Lincoln and I were going back and forth on this game and what we think it'll be like. And it's tough. It's tough because the Raiders, Lincoln made a good point on Roundtable. He said they got to prove it. Lincoln doesn't know which team's going to show up because we don't know what team's going to show up. We we still at that point, everybody, where we don't know if they're going to start fast. We don't, you know, they had a two seventeen nothing leads. They had a twenty nothing lead and lost three of those games. They got shut out in New Orleans and didn't get past the fifty yard line with the starting quarterback. And you look at these games, and how could anybody predict what the score is going to be? So now they beat the Chargers after trailing ten nothing. How about going up 10 nothing on the Rams and beating them and, and stepping on the gas? Wouldn't it be nice to watch one Raider game this year with the score 34-10, to 41-14? I'd like to. Every time I watch these games, they're very stressful. And I think the fans know that too, but just win, baby. You just want to win the game. I got time to get you before the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. Give me the score, your analysis, what's going to happen in this game. Nash is in Houston. Thanks for holding, Nash. Go ahead. Hey, you bet. Yeah, I would love to have a blowout win. I mean, again, as a Houston guy, when we can't get it against the Texans, I'm not going to suggest we could get anywhere else. I think it'll be a game similar to last week. Again, at Nauseam, we still like to see Derek Carr. He had a couple times in the first half. It seemed like he escaped the pocket, had opportunities to pick up first downs, and mm-hmm. didn't do it. So I think we got a opportunity for a, a close win. I think uh, uh, Josh McDaniel made a point that, again, like a, a very similar defense uh, since uh, Staley used to be with the Rams. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to help us. And I think that hopefully we've shown the last few weeks that we are a different team so that we know the team that is going to show up. So uh, excited to see them win. And, uh, again, hopefully in two weeks uh, we'll have a lot clearer picture if we can even uh, mention that word, the P word, playoffs with this team so the next two weeks are critical big games and they just got to keep focused keep the momentum going and uh looking forward to a nice uh end of the season here wow breaking news baker mayfield just claimed by the rams baker mayfield just claimed by the rams so there we go and uh give credit to my buddy brandon cristal on koa out in denver he put out a tweet earlier Baker Mayfield claimed off waivers by the quarterback needy Rams. I can pretty much guarantee you he won't play in this game coming up here. There's just no way. But the Panthers waived Mayfield on Monday, and the Rams just picked him up here. How about that for news? So the Rams will inherit the remaining $1.35 million of the contract. He's expected to fly to Los Angeles tonight and could play as soon as Thursday against the Raiders as the Rams are in the process of sending the playbook to him. So, I don't know. I mean, that's a change here, Baker Mayfield. That's breaking news that involves the Raiders. As Adam Schefter is reporting that, and he could take a look at the playbook on the flight. Uh, clearly, that gives them a better quarterback than the quarterback they have here. But I would be shocked if he played. If he did play, instead of ja- uh, backup John Walford, he'd be able to play with zero experience in the playbook where – Walford has experience. If he doesn't play, Walford or third-string uh, quarterback Bryce Perkins will start this game. 
and then we'll see what happens to Baker Mayfield after that. I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield. As you know, he went to Oklahoma. My son goes to Oklahoma. Uh, That's a big story. So Baker Mayfield to the Rams. Uh, One of my buddies told me this too on text message as my phone is blowing up that this move also is a big storyline here because, look, uh, this, this is a block for the 49ers. The Rams getting him blocks him from going to the 49ers where he was probably the best fit to go to the 49ers. So we'll keep an eye on all this. My buddy Thomas says, you want to score 34-16. I think we want to put a show on again because we got flexed out of Thursday night football. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Maybe the Raiders want to do that. All right, let's see what happens. Baker Mayfield to the Rams. Could he play against the Raiders? How about that for breaking news? Brought to you by Grimaldi's. Josh Jacobs, 74 yards on 13 carries, and he gets it again. Pitches it back to Derek Carr. Looking downfield for Devontae Adams. It's straight at the five. Touchdown, Raiders. And that's even more glorious. That's even more glorious. When you can throw a flea flicker in there, catch the defense completely off guard, and Devontae Adams runs behind the Chargers defense. Two Derek Carr throws here in the third quarter, and both have been long touchdowns to Devontae Adams. This one from 45 yards out, and the Raiders lead the Chargers 23-13. Jason Horowitz on the call. What a third quarter for Devontae with two touchdowns. Breaking news, Baker Mayfield to the Rams. Mayfield is expected to fly to L.A. by tonight and could play Thursday night against the Raiders. That's according to Adam Schefter. How about that? So Raider Nation, it never ends, right? There's always something. So here you go. You're going to have to play Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's a much better player than what the Rams have now without Stafford. So that would be interesting because no one's seen him play in this offense. And the defense has got to, the coaches like Patrick Graham, this film on Baker Mayfield, everybody knows what he can do. But Baker Mayfield would get a limited playbook and the playbook's going to be get the ball out quickly, throw some quick slants. You know, move outside the pocket. Baker can run. Baker can run. He is mobile. And he's got a lot to prove. And he plays with the chip on his shoulder and bravado, and he's cocky. And this would be interesting. So why would they bring him in tonight this quickly if they're not going to play him? It's fascinating to me, this topic, because Waller and Renfro reportedly should be ready to go, and they might not play. They might not. I don't know if they're playing or not. I have no information. But it's a short week. Well, what happens now if Baker Mayfield plays? All right, that's a fair question. If Baker Mayfield's ready to play, and he doesn't even have the playbook, they're overnighting it to him before he gets on the plane. You know, if you say you can't get reps in or practice in for Waller and Renfro, Mayfield's not getting any practice in either. And he's a quarterback. This is going to make this game really interesting, and it's going to make it crazy on the sidelines on Amazon Prime Thursday night. With Richard Sherman there, Tony Gonzalez, Carissa Thompson, everybody's going to be there. And Baker Mayfield's going to be the story. Even though he shouldn't be the story, the story should be Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. The story is going to be Baker Mayfield. And another text I just got from an NFL insider who quickly gave this to me before the end of the show. He said, quote, 
It's perfect. He goes to a team where Stafford could retire. Now, I don't think Stafford should retire, but he could. The guy's been beat up a lot. And even if Baker Mayfield's the backup for Stafford, Stafford's not going to play more than another year, I would think. So it's a good landing spot for Baker Mayfield. A very good landing spot in the number two media market where he's already had national media deals. This could be a short-term backup plan, or he could be the future quarterback of the Rams if he plays well. Man, I can't believe we got this in before the end of the show. I'm sure Q's going to be all over this. Baker Mayfield to the L.A. Rams, and Tom Pelissero and Adam Schefter are both saying he could play Thursday night. Why would you? Give him time off to learn the playbook the following week? Seems like the Rams want to win the game and throw a curveball to the Raiders. More discussion on Raider Nation Radio. Have a great night, everyone. Sirius XM tonight at 6 p.m. on 82. Good to go. All right. Thank you.